Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I mean, this is a sport that's on the precipice of irrelevance. The games are taking over three and a half hours. Playoff games are taking over four hours. Game's too long, too slow. Who cares? This is a situation where baseball is in trouble to begin with. The MLB is officially dead. Baseball is dead. Rest in peace. I feel like I feel like I don't know. I feel like we should start right here, Dallas. (laughs) What's that spell? Hey, shout out, Hal. Yeah, why wouldn't we start there? That's where shit starts and stops. The center of the fucking baseball universe (laughs) in the East Bay, homie. Don't fucking sleep. Mm -hmm. That is true because uh, obviously uh, the the Carlos Correa signing, pretty big deal. Um, But uh, Danny Vietti had this tweet a couple days ago. Uh, The... (laughs) The 2021 Oakland A's starting lineup. <laughs> Sean Murphy. That catcher. Traded. Uh, first baseman, Matt Olson. Traded. Uh, second baseman, Josh Harrison. Here you go. Left in free agency. Uh, third baseman, Matt Chapman, old chapstick. Here you go. He was traded. Uh, shortstop, Elvis Andrews. Mm, yeah, he was DFA'd. Uh, left fielder, Starling Marte. Good player. Gone. Yep. Also gone. Left in free agency. Uh, right fielder, Mark Canna. He gone. Yeah, he left in free agency. Uh, and then you have like the DH utility slot for Chad Pinder. Cheap. Uh, he gone. Also gone. But yep. you do still have Ramon Laureano. The laser, bitches. Yeah, yeah. You still have Ramon Laureano. Uh, who is who's going to play on your team? This is interesting because it was a trade the between Dallas's team <laughs> and Joseph's team. Uh, Sean Murphy. And um, yeah, I'm just, you know, we're, we're going through the starting lineup here. It looks like Ramon Laureano is quite literally the only player remaining from, from the starting lineup uh, from just... From just a year ago, uh, Dallas first uh, on the on the <laughs> on the trading side of things, not the trade side of things. Uh, your reaction to the Sean Murphy trade? Um, what took this long? Mm-hmm. And that's just because of the rumblings that had occurred the minute that Langoliers arrived in the Oli deal. You're hearing. Everything that this kid's capable of, you start to dive in, do, you know, do some homework, check out the video. I start making phone calls, trying to get a feel for who this guy is. And then he shows up and you get a pretty good idea of who this kid is. And that conversation about why is Murph still here starts to kick up a little. And you're wondering if they know that their future is with this kid in Langoliers, 
then you would start to you would start to think that there's going to be some movement here, maybe sooner than later, just because of the stock value, right? Uh, I mean, if you're if you're walking away from a guy like Sean Murphy and you've got three plus years of controllability and you had the opportunity to tack another year of controllability on that, is that something that you would think about doing, knowing you're more than likely going to be committed to this second wave here, Langoliers kind of leading that charge, and I, I think that's where a lot of fans. Th- their mind starts to go, especially if you're an A's fan, a lifelong A's fan, you understand that this is the cycle. This is how things go. Whether you like it or not, that can be a different conversation. But understanding that that's how shit rolls, this is what you always anticipate happening. And it sucks because it, it you start to anticipate it sooner than later because the writing is on the wall. If they're really good early, it feels like, well, that just means they're going to be gone sooner. And and again, the track record shows that. That's not my opinion. These are the facts of how business is done there. Um, but initially, and I said this on on the air the other day, uh, initially, I think you always, if you're on the tradee side of things, your reaction is always like, oh, fuck, did we get enough? Did we get enough? And that's not knocking the deal at all. I think that comes from a place of saying goodbye to a player who is as valuable as you know they are, like Murph has been to the Oakland A's, to the pitching staff, watching him mature, you know, and kind of take on a leadership role of sorts, all really at a point in time in his career where that's not always the responsibility of a guy like him, but Murph has done a phenomenal job of evolving into that dude. So the heartbreak sets in and you start to question whether or not the guys who've never been in the big leagues that you're getting back are ever going to get to the big leagues and what kind of impact are they going to have in the big leagues? So it's easy initially knee jerk to be like, this fucking sucks. Why? What? But you got to I know that you got to wait it out because sometimes you make moves that land you a guy like a Chris Bassett, like a Marcus Simeon, like a Frankie Montas. And you get those guys in house and you see the impact that they have. And you're like, well, fuck worked out. Joseph, so were you, you surprised know. by this? Because uh, what was it? No disrespect to him. I like him. But Mark Feinzen were said that the Braves were not going to be the team trading for Murph. And then next thing you know, the Braves are traded for, for Sean Murph. Yeah. On the surface, it made no sense. To be, <laughs> yeah. to be, uh, to be in on Murphy since we have two all-star catchers. Um, but then we traded one catcher to get a catcher. So that makes more sense. And... Yeah, it was a weird trade, honestly. Especially for the well, Brewers. Was- the Brewers who just got Contreras for well, people are acting like nothing, but they gave away like a top prospect. So Yeah, my my, my whole my whole thing is now Murph is a dude who in that lineup, there's zero pressure for him to perform offensively. That's not to say that he's not capable. I'm adding my, capable. Uh, there's pressure. <laughs> Murph, I'm not going to just come over here. Oh, Murphy. Woo. You got to fucking earn your spot, buddy. It's saying Oakland. It's Atlanta. The spot's his. Spot says. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We love Travis over here. He's going to have to earn his spot. I want to see what he got. Tough, I mean, tough there, love. Do, do you think there's, is there just no way? I mean, I don't see them moving Murphy. I don't see them going and getting Murphy and then asking him to sit down. No, they're going to fucking, you know, have the boys one and two. 
Yeah, a, a lot of DHing there. A lot of DHing, <laughs> some catching, rest up the legs. But yeah, it made Murph our lineup a, better. Uh, made our lineup well, yeah, better. And and the pitching staff. I mean, Murph. I uh, I think I somebody asked me, hey, what are the Braves getting in Sean Murphy? And I don't know if you know this name, Joey or Jared or Jake. Do you know who Bob Vila is? Yeah. Okay. So I, I joked. I said. Bob Vila sits at home and watches videos of Sean Murphy's framing work. That's yeah, how see, they're they, not going to get that. No, they don't get that. Bob Vila used to be an individual who, on television, would build objects. You know, your everyday out in the garage shit that just is extremely difficult to build and he made look really, really fucking easy. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you just fucking, you know, <laughs> you just weave this wood together, fold it tight, and, and you're like, I can't, I fucking... No, bro. I can tie glue sticks together. So <laughs> Bob, Bob, Bob Vila was a real guy, not a character, right? Like not I'm a thinking, character, a real yeah. ass dude doing yeah. fucking man shit. Yeah, Tim, Tim, <clears throat> the Tool Man Taylor was Based basically on Bob, Bob Vila. Vila. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if Bob Vila didn't have to go to the fucking hospital every week, so that you're yeah. saying that's Murph? That's the scouting report. He's a Bob yeah. Vila the scouting type. Report is, is a Bob just Vila type. <laughs> Bob Vila type grinder, you know, hard worker, the guy that's coming into the supper table with sawdust in his mustache, Joe. That's the kind of fucking guy you're getting in Sean Murphy. He does like, look I, like I tell, that. He is had, I, had I that this, face. <laughs> I, I tell this story about Murph because it's it's true. Um, spring training, his, his one of his first years at Bigley Camp, might have been his first year at Bigley Camp, I believe. I'm walking by the uh, the six pack, which is the bullpen setup, and I see the catchers doing blocking drills, and I I like I I can't see who's catching, but like the first two or three balls that I've seen have all been blocked and just funneled right into this other pile of balls that are right there, and the pile of balls looked like a pile that you would manually set up, like that's how neatly they were kind of stacked with each other, and. That wasn't happening. It was Sean Murphy doing blocking drills, redirecting, you know, redirecting the baseball. The idea is you're trying to block and, and funnel the ball back to home plate, deaden it, keep it in front of you, funnel it back. And he was doing this so beautifully. I fucking stopped and was just like 10 minutes later, I realized like what I'm doing. Like I was supposed to be somewhere, supposed to go talk to somebody. And I'm just standing on the fucking six pack now watching Murph and Marcus Jensen and a couple of the other catchers all all do blocking drills. And I was just like in awe of this dude. Like he's he's a big fucking dude. He's huge. Like he takes up space and he's moving quite nicely, very athletically back there. And then you watch him throw. Got a fucking hose. Um, The study habits. Just there's a lot to love about Murph. And so coming into the East now. And having the responsibility of of that pitching staff, those young arms, those fucking absolute studs, I think that's a great, great mix. Great mix. Yeah, that's what I got. And he's him tough for real. as fuck. I can look tough. at look how him look at him look at his face. Like, I watch this dude like straight up. Like it's funny, though it's not funny, but it's kind of just weird to think about. <clears throat> I remember a game we had. Uh, umpire got smoked early. And, you know, we exit Velo. It was like 102 off the bat, foul ball, fucking squared him up, just knocked him down, knocked him fucking down. Later in that game, Murph took in the same at bat, like 106 off the mask, and then like 101, 102 off the mask. 
and they were glancing blows or so you would have thought then you go back and watch the replay and that ball just fucking compresses and murph's fucking brick chin is fucking just like absorbs it and it's it's like one of those videos where there's you know a little person dancing around you know on youtube and then you see someone fucking swat their hand and then it's just like a little fucking chicken wing that ends up flying into the fucking pan or something like that's that's what murph does to these balls he's just like ding and we all know the video of him just bouncing that fucking slider off his ass cheeks. <laughs> it's just such a such a great shot. So uh, I, but, I want to know Dallas on the on the Oakland side of things. Where does the when does it stop? Like when obviously you're you had an off season uh, last year where you're selling off major major pieces. And they just continue to sell off every, not just valuable asset, any kind of asset that the Oakland A's have, they're selling it off. Uh, not to mention that during the season, you, know, you lose Frankie Montas. Um, when does it end? What's the goal? What are they trying to do? Like, is there a vision or are they just trying to get rid of any valuable asset that they can in order to A, not have to pay them or B, get younger? Uh, blue chip prospects back uh, so that they can start it all over again to get the next Maddles and the next Matt Chapman. It all depends on what lens you're trying to look at this through, what lens you want to look at this through, and what lens you probably should be looking at this through. Because those are all three very different images at the end of the day. Because if you want them to try to be competitive right? Then you think about retaining players, growing players, and what that looks like. And that hasn't necessarily been what they've done. Fair to say? Fair to say. So then you look at it from the business perspective. And if you understand, you know, original valuation at purchase and today's valuation, the business side of things tells you that this model has made money. And we're not talking about baseball right now, right? We're not talking about where you finished in the division. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about a business model. And has this business model been successful? And to that point of making money, the answer is a resounding yes. This business model has made money. Now, has the business model made money in the fashion that fans would like to see or that fans would appreciate? That's a different lens. That's a different conversation. And that's where fans from the outside of the organization, I don't want to say have to educate themselves because it's not their responsibility. They don't like the team. They don't give a shit about the team. Why do they need to know about the ins and outs and the ongoings? And well, if you're going to have a logical conversation, then that might behoove you to be educated on these things. But if you're just going to, you know, fire, fire jabs and, and throw shots and whatever, then hey, it's all good. Yeah, say what you want. But to understand, and that's why I hate the phrase, but it's so uh, it's so applicable, is how cyclical the business model is. So it's not a matter of ending, Jared. I think what everybody understands is the elephant, the white elephant in the room, is what's going to happen with the ballpark. And you'd like to think that there could be a change in the business cycle. <laughs> Should that ballpark become a reality? That's what everybody's hopeful for. 
That's right? the light that, at the end of the tunnel right now. That's mm-hmm. the light at the end of the tunnel. And it always has been since that conversation started years ago with me as a player. When I was wearing a uniform and had front office members coming into the clubhouse showing renderings of what the new Cisco field is going to look like. And, and you're just, you, you know, you're all excited. You're all, well, the fans, the fans hung on to that too. The fans got excited about that initially as well. And the fans have been the ones that have been sticking by this entire time. So that's why they anticipate maybe a shift, <clears throat> new ballpark, new shift in approach. Here we come again, back to prominence. That has to be the thought as a fan. If you're, if you're going to keep yourself sane. Uh, and then Joey, the, the reaction in Braves country, I feel like people are not happy about this trade. Really? Yeah, I saw a lot of like, why did we do that? Or why would we do that? Why would, you, why would we need to do that? Yeah, I mean... Like I, when, I, when, it, when, when the trade went down, I quote tweeted the official trade and I said, this Braves lineup. And then a lot of the responses were, is not as good now. <laughs> or uh, like, this doesn't fuck as hard. Yeah, I mean, con- the, I think they didn't really do it for the lineup per se. They did it because Darno is going to be a free agent this year. And they didn't want Contreras to be the only catcher they had because of his defense. And they see Murphy as a guy who's just as good of a hitter, probably better, has done it longer, and is better at defense. And if you're going to have one catcher, which next year, if Darno leaves, we would have one catcher, you'd rather have Sean Murphy than Contreras. So that's the logic the Braves are looking at it. On the surface, it doesn't look like it made that much sense, but... I think that's the way you got to look at it. And also, I think it's weird how, like, I mean, the A's got shit on for this trade. But they got, like, fucking five prospects. The Braves' top pitching prospect and their top 10 prospect. They got a top prospect from the Brewers. It's like, why wouldn't they? What do they need Sean Murphy for? They're going to suck either way. Well, well, that's where Langoliers comes in and makes that decision palatable. I guess people for, think for they the could front get more. office. Yeah. People were thinking well, they but, should but get that's, more. But that's that's and you know, look, Murph, what? Murph's a free agent in 2026, yeah. I think. Yeah. Contreras Contreras free agent not until 2028, right? Is yeah. that right? Or something I think, like that. I think yeah. Um and I I think also the idea is if Murphy's available, you know he's available and you have something that can get you him in return. And it's, it's, you, you got to feel like you're dealing from a place of strength. If you're Atlanta, they, we've got something that another team wants and we've got prospects that this team wants and we can put all that out there to get what we want. We're, we're into that. We're going to make that happen. And they did. Yeah, it makes their team better this year because we have Sean Murphy who is better than Contreras. I, I would think is going to have a better season he's proven it longer and better next year and until 2026 yeah so i mean the braves will be in a spot where they can make a decision or start to look at what that decision is going to be in the next three years yep. four years with we'll, Murph. S- we'll see what happens to the prospects i mean the a's now just have all the braves prospects the braves have <laughs> no no prospects we just we're gonna we're just gonna start seeing entire like level swaps. Like, all right, we'll give you we'll give you Murph. Give us low A. All right, 
Sound good? <laughs> we'll fucking iron it out after that. <laughs> like, that's kind of where it feels like it's going. Whatever. It's mm. interesting. How do you feel? How do you feel you did in the deal, Dallas? Do you like well, the return? To to <clears throat> to Joey's point, like you're getting top prospects from multiple organizations. That is exactly where the A's. That's where they thrive in terms of how they approach who they're going after or who they're willing to get rid of and what they'd like in return. I think mm-hmm. you always start big league ready talent, and then from there you understand eh, it's probably not going to work out. There's going to be some cash involved, and don't know that you guys have that. So what do you want to do? Well, we'll give you our fucking stud backstop, but we're going to need like you, you got to know we're going to need top tier talent. That's just that's kind of how we do things. So if we show up on your radar as a compatible trade partner here, you need to know that you got to go top shelf here, right? This is not this is not a fucking Wednesday well drink situation. You got to come correct. Yeah. And and that's where uh the A's again, the fans have constantly been in this moment emotionally where you're parting ways with Murph. Fuck, he was good. Loved him. Loved the idea of getting prospects, but that's a that's a dangerous word, prospects, because the guys who could be prospects this year could turn into suspects next year. And mm. fans know that, especially a fan base who has constantly seen the churning of big league talent that has turned into potential big league talent via prospects that at times has just not panned out. So, A's fans, more than ready for this storm. Jared, A's fans are quite literally, in my opinion, the only fan base that would not be caught in a rainstorm without an umbrella. Like, people yeah. would, fans would look at the weather, they'd look outside, they got the weather person on the TV telling them it's fucking pouring, they can look outside and see it's pouring, and some fans be like, yeah, but I don't, yeah, I don't know if I buy into that. Well, let's, Let's cross our fingers and see what's going to happen here. And they'll walk outside and get fucking soaked. Ace fans, the minute you get a young dude that pops 20, 25, sporting a fucking ERA under four in his first year, you're going, you get the umbrella out and you just start walking to the door because, you know, you're like, I, I know what's outside. I know what's coming. This guy's going to be fucking great and he's going to be gone. <laughs> and so that's how the, the fans have readied themselves for this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. It really puts things in perspective, honestly. Like, you know, I'm, I just bought this house. I'm buying furniture right now. And they're like, hey, it's going to be two to three months before your bed comes in. I'm like, two to three months for a fucking bed. The A's, the A's fans are waiting four to five years to get their order on a Major League Baseball team. They're just like, oh, yeah, we're getting all these prospects. Maybe they'll turn into Major League ready players. And maybe those players will turn into a contending baseball team. But maybe not. Even after waiting the five years, maybe they're not even good. <laughs> like that's well, that's the game that the A's are playing right now. And, and I've all like and for for A's fans, look, I you guys know how much I fucking love our fans. Um, they're they're maniacs. They're crazy. They're passionate for a lot of the wrong reasons. And it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's um, okay. It's it, it is. It's okay because they have learned how to. Look at an organization at more than just surface level, right? These fans, if you're going to follow the team, if you're going to follow the organization, you're almost forced to know who the kids in double A are. 
And that's not the same for every organization, for every fan base across baseball. There's every fan base that has those diehards who know the kids in low A, who know the trades that are happening, minor leaguer for minor leaguer, right? Players to be named. They know all of those folks. And, And that's great. I love that. I think on the whole, A's fans, there are more of those fans who look at the game and their team that way and through that lens than just knowing who a couple of the guys on the big league team are. Because, again, this is a fact, not my opinion, because that roster turns over, if you're going to be a fan of this team, you're going to start to be a fan of trade value. You're going to be a fan of prospect hunting. You're going to be a fan of that kind of stuff because that's what's happening in your world. You're not turning on the TV and listening to your front office talking about how they're going to nail down a $360 million free agent and sign him for the next 15 fucking years. That's not the conversation we're having. Yeah, you Joey, know. do you think that the Braves are a better team after this trade? Like, how would you look at it that way? Are they a better team, significantly better, marginally better, the same, not as good? Where, where are you at after this trade? I think they're mar- marginally better. I think Sean Murphy's better than Contreras. Uh, I mean, you know, Contreras is a young player. You don't know what he's really going to be like long term. Maybe he's the best catcher of all he's time. He's an all star. He's an all star. But, you know, he, is, he only has like one season. And even last year, he didn't really. He played every day. Not He didn't play every day, but he played most days, but he's splitting time. So I think Murphy is also an all-star and he's an all-star mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah murphy yeah, I, I was i was just pumping Contreras' tires you know i didn't want people he's not a fucking bum i'm yeah. not saying that you're saying he's a bum but i mean the dude is you know you have your apprehensions and your questions about him understandably so but it's not like he has left like a huge gap in what you think he's young and he performed well and you don't know if that's sustainable but if you have the opportunity to bring a guy in like murph who has showed you some st- stability because look, every catcher in baseball, they're going to tell you, I want to catch 162. Like that just give me the fucking, give me the ball. I, I, I want to be the guy. Um, but I don't know that there's always room for that based on productivity. And Murph might be somebody who just closes that gap for them a little in terms of desire to be out there, value of having them out there every day. And is what you're getting on the defensive side and the handling of the staff enough to overlook whatever offensive lulls might be coming yeah if you were going to be like oh we'll give you sean murphy for Contreras, what for next year you would take it you take sean murphy but if these prospects turn into top fucking best players ever and Contreras becomes one of the best catchers in the league then you you're going to regret it but for next year definitely makes us better and we will win the world series Oh, you'll do oh. what? Wow. You're going to do what, Joey? We're going to win the World wow. Series in six games. Six? Wow. Six games. Oh, my and God. It's really going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be a magical season. Everyone's six games? That's it. That's all it's going to take. We don't even need to go seven. Six games. It's December 15th. You need to calm the fuck down. You, December I, I 15th. Joe's got Braves and six in the World Series. Jeez, man. mark my words. <laughs> See, that's what that's what the Sean Murphy move does. Mm. You bring over a backstop like Sean Murphy, you instantly start thinking World Series. 
instantly yeah. start thinking <clears throat> World Series. I can't blame you, Joey. I can't blame you. You know what? If, you I, start, if I bring when I if I bring a blue moon over to Dallas's house, I instantly oh. start thinking championship because it is the championship of of all beers. It fucking is the weighted yeah. goat, the belt. It really goat. is. Mm-hmm. Holiday season. It doesn't feel like Christmas, does it? Yeah, it it does. doesn't. Yeah, it does. I have my tree up. Okay, I don't. I'm wearing a fucking Santa hat. It's fucking Christmas, bud. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, Just took the I kids to go tree. see Santa in the mall. Fuck yeah. I guess, yeah, if you have kids, yeah, I can see how, yeah, I have no, I have no one. <laughs> do, you, do, do you understand what I fucking go through nightly with the fucking elf on the shelf, Jared? No, I don't know anything about that. It is a goddamn nightmare. I'm here right now. To, to, to call, this is a call to action. We need to come together as parents and revolt against what this fucking elf is doing to us. Because mm-hmm. I go into fucking panic mode. Do you understand what it's like to wake up higher than giraffe balls at two in the morning on the couch, realizing that you got a little shit on your cheek and, and you just uh, you're trying to piece it together? What happened? I got this fucking elf. I got to go hide. And not only do I have to hide this fucking elf, it's got to have done something mischievous or cool or funny or cute or what the fuck are you? Are you what? What is like, that? No, what what is happened the to me just telling you that Santa's fucking watching? Why? Why does that not fucking work anymore? <laughs> yeah. What is elf now, on the shelf? Yeah, elf what's on the, the deal shelf. It's like a fucking little like a little men in black. Like, I don't know what the like. He's just there watching and he's gonna now there's a fucking go between like santa's hiring fucking private eyes but it's not enough for this elf to just fucking sit there jared the elf's got to do fucking science projects the elf's gotta the elf's gotta eat food the elf's gotta steal shit mess shit up like otherwise the elf's just lazy right and Mm. otherwise it's you like oh well do you do you even care about your children you know are you are you getting are you getting them involved in the holiday spirit? What are you mm. doing for your kid? You're supposed to make like mother fuck, man. It's a goddamn elf. So I'm up at fucking two 30 this morning trying to climb my fucking kitchen Island so I can get this fucking elf stuffed in between two fucking pots and pants. Do you know what kind of fucking injury I could sustain? One little slip. I'm fucking catastrophic. Done. Yeah. You got hard and kitchen force all because of this little fucking elf man yeah did you name the elf yes what's the what's the elf's name elf's name's honey sugar honey <laughs> sugar does i didn't the, name the fucking elf jared does, does the fucking does the elf do some uh some strip club work on the side what the hell kind of a name is honey sugar it's dude again you know you just got to go with shit like this like yeah honey yeah. sugar yeah, it's I met a, a honey sugar down in uh, spring training when we were here. It's a, I, I swear to God, it's so funny you say that because she said honey sugar and I, without missing a beat, went, what about chandelier? <laughs> <laughs> and for those listening, chandelier was the real given name of one of the young entertainers that Jared and I came across. Yeah, in, in Tampa, Florida. What's your mm-hmm. name? Chandelier. Excuse me. No, I'm an Ottoman guy. Uh, what was your yeah. name? Is what I said. No, Chandelier. chandelier. Oh, okay. All right. Let, well, you want to hang out, Chandelier? What the? Where the? That's fuck my gamer tag. <laughs> chandelier. chandelier. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
That's you know what? That's gonna have to be Shay Legalier's new nickname. Yeah. Chandelier! What a swing from Chandelier! <laughs> <laughs> Chandelier has lit it up. Oh. Yeah, we actually so anyway, we started so, planning for spring training, by the way. We got some things in motion. Spring training? Uh it's when the oh. players show up. It's like around like mid Feb. Um pitchers <laughs> first. What position players about? will come after that. Um so they usually start Idiot. like warming up, like working Fuck. out, uh, you know, just meeting your new teammates, stuff like that. And uh, around the beginning of March is when they would start to play games. But the stars, well, they probably play like the first, I don't know, one, two innings, then they hit the showers and they go golf and stuff. Um, and then what's by, gonna be really it's cool? funny because by like really the fifth cool or the sixth inning, you'll players. have like number 98 will be playing. And, you yeah. know, it's like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? I didn't ever even heard of this guy before. And he's playing for my team. So that's why I like watching spring training is a little weird. Um, but then, yeah, spring training goes way too like usually by like the third or fourth week. That's when everyone starts complaining. Wow. I can't believe spring training is so long. Like It's so long. Like, they got to shorten it. Have that conversation every single year for the last 65 years. Uh, and then the season starts right after that. Well, you know what's cool is that in this digital day and age, Jared, uh-huh. you don't even have to wait until spring training to see your yeah. teammates. Which, what you can do is post a video talking about how excited you are to meet your new teammates. Let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. Can't wait. Time is yep. now. Yeah. See you guys in October. Here we go. Going to yeah. close ball games. That's what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. Are you so making like, you can get that message across earlier. Making fun of who? Hey, the Red Sox fam. This is Kenny Jansen. I'm here to get this thing done. So let's get it rolling. It's going to be a fun year. I can't wait to see you guys. So let's get it rolling. <laughs> That's the fucking train coming down the tracks, Joe. Let's get it rolling. All aboard. Next stop. Wait, fuck. Are we going to Boston? Is that where we're going? We're going to Denver, Colorado. That's where we're going because the baseball season's over, but you can still feel that ballpark nostalgia with Blue Moon. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado, which I was at. I just cut the audio tracks for that episode uh, last night. How about the, the Fox? The Fox are taking over Colorado. I didn't see that. I did watch a YouTube video last night, though, uh, about Yellowstone. And if that thing erupts, Denver is done for. Denver is like non-existent. I mean, the whole country, the entire <laughs> country of the United States will be covered in ash. So there won't be a state that's not affected by it. But Denver will ultimately just be wiped off the map. Entirely. Hawaii and Alaska unaffected. And like the, the most southern tip of Florida for some reason. Because <laughs> that's a whole nother fucking world. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Blue Moon, it's one of a kind beer experience, isn't just for baseball season. It's also perfect for the holiday season, which obviously we are in right now. Lots of holiday cheer. It's bold flavor, bright explosion of color, iconic orange slice ritual, and authentic ballpark roots will make your holidays unique and flavorful. I, uh, I, don't, I, hate, I hate bringing her up in front of Dallas, but uh, so the deal with my adopted sister is that once she bought a house that usually would have Christmas Eve at my parents, but now uh, once my sister buys a house, now she gets Christmas Eve. So she texts me and she was like, hey, like, what do you want for beverages um, uh, for Christmas Eve? And I was like, 
That's the dumbest question I've ever been asked. I need Blue Moon. So we'll have plenty of Blue Moon available. Dallas, you're not invited uh, to Christmas Eve. Well, no. I, I got I, I no, I got, I, I got an invite right here. Yeah, I, got you got I just looked at my phone and I got, you know, I, it looks like I was invited because I, you know, I could pull up this text message right here, Kwamis. Well, you yeah, tell well, me this is an invite right here? I, well, there's some text that I probably couldn't pull up and show you. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a, I got a, I got a note, I got a car, a physical invitation uh, that says. No, that, that's you know, not that how it's done. That I am more than welcome. Well, no, no. that's how I think how it might have just been done for me. I'm not right. saying that that's how it was done for everyone. Right. But that's just you got how a Christmas card? communicated to you me. You got a Christmas card? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. Enzo, little, little fella. Absolutely. Yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, true story. Uh-huh. Hers, hers was the first card that I put up on the tree. Oh, that's, that's good. Me. It was the first one we got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you're going to be opening presents around each other, right? Uh, I would assume so. So you play your cards right. You could be there to see just how I stuffed her stocking. Oh, come on. <laughs> what? I'm just saying you're going to be there. You're going to be opening. Pre- <laughs> like, that's not. That's that's a it's a, something that happens is you. That's, un- a, that's Ellen's you, daughter. You're you, talking. You open you open presents and stockings and you right. stuff. St- yeah, that's all. I don't know. <clears throat> <laughs> your, your your wife asked me for my address. I don't know what's coming my way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Be prepared. I lied. <laughs> well, I was no. like, oh, I'd love to give it to you, but unfortunately, uh, I'm not moved in yet, so I can't. Yeah. Jared, we got we got boots on the ground, buddy. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you don't know anybody over here. Yeah. All good. So good. All good. <laughs> From its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander. Ooh. Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale is a one of a kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that's one of a kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all holiday season long. Answer for a chance to win an exclusive blue moon paper shoot camera to immortalize those unforgettable holiday moments. Enjoy your holidays brighter than ever with blue moon. Get blue moon delivered and enter to win an exclusive paper shoot camera at get.bluemoonbeer.com slash rocket. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash rocket. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. <clears throat> no purchase necessary. Open to legal residents of 50. USDC 21 plus only begins 11 1 2022. Ends 12 31 2022. Includes four entry periods for rules. Visit bluemoonholiday.com. Void where prohibited. Message and data rates may apply. Uh, Joseph. The new baseball doesn't exist video is up and it is about mascots. Mm. And I would imagine Dallas may have some sort of knowledge about this. I didn't know that the 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 Pittsburgh Pirates almost had to move cities because their mascot was a cocaine <laughs> dealer. Did you know about this? <laughs> I, th- I yeah. thought we all knew about this. I did not know about this. I mean, I, I knew that there was some like nefarious 
axe the going on with mascots. Rig. Yeah, but yeah, well, we knew. Yeah, we, I knew in I was present making day. that shit up. That shit was real. <laughs> no, that, that shit was real. True. The the Pittsburgh Pirates mascot. What year was this, Joseph? The nineteen. I don't remember. Eighty. I think eighty five. The eighties or seventies. Eighty five. I think. Sometime in the eighties. Pittsburgh drug trials. I think nineteen eighty five. The players got looped into this, and at one point. The Pittsburgh Pirates were going to have to move cities because of how bad <laughs> all this became once the mascot was outed as a, as a drug lord. Like, there's got to be there's got to be a level head somewhere in the room that, that says, hey, look, maybe we just fire the guy. <laughs> 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 like, do we need to fucking pack the entire organization up? and move to a new fucking city like is yeah. that how like who are they dealing with is that fucking pablo escobar <laughs> like we just can't get rid of this guy we can't fucking is that george jung like who who is this dude this is an yeah. untouchable guy where he's like <laughs> he just strolls up in the fucking parrot suit and he's like no you know what it is today it's fucking eight balls and homers but like this is yeah this is what we do and i'm the one slinging the balls around here and then there's another not, part of not- the video where I forgive me if I'm getting the teams wrong, Joe, you probably know better than me. I believe it was, was it the Cubs? They just took like a homeless kid and made him the mascot <laughs> because he was like good luck. And then Ty, it was a Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb made Ty Cobb made this homeless child sleep under his bed before <laughs> games so that he, yeah, cause he felt like it was good luck. Yeah, he, he made the, he made a homeless child sleep under his fucking bed for good luck. Time out. Time what? Out. Spin zone. Provided shelter for those <laughs> less fortunate. Is exactly I mean, what Tyrus Cobb did. What if he's claustrophobic? Couldn't he have just slept on the floor or a couch or something? He slept under the goddamn bed. Yeah. You want a roof over your head? This is what well, I can do for you. The worst part. That's not even the worst part. When when the team decided that he ran out of luck, they just fucking left him there like hundreds of miles from. I mean, he doesn't have a home, but hundreds of miles from where they picked him up. Think about the fucking team. You want that bad juju back on the bus or the train? Mm. Absolutely not. That's crazy. That's the fucking facts. Imagine imagine the bombshell of a story if if it just came out like. The Houston Astros kidnapped a homeless child and Alex Bregman stuffed him under his bed before the World Series games. And yeah. then uh, when or it, I guess it would have been the Phillies, like he was sleeping under Bryce Harper's bed. And then when the Phillies lost the World Series, they just left him right there in Houston. Yeah, well, they took a, they almost won the World Series. That's why like that. That seems like a pretty like pretty understood give and take relationship and when things start to go south like you understand how that's going to end it doesn't end with alex Bregman not playing anymore it ends with you know poor little fella waking up and realizing that he's more like kevin McAllister than he is like alex Bregman. that's crazy it's sad they don't do this anymore (laughs) because that's what mascots were at first they're just fuckers who they people thought were good luck like you know they were usually like disabled people or like people with fucking mental handicaps or hunchbacks and teams would meet them and be like, oh shit, this guy's fucking cool. 
and they would just bring them to every game and they would start winning and then but as soon as they start losing though they would just say fuck you and then they would disappear Uh, i just got a question is 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 uh and i hope i'm not offending anybody here but is is um is hunchback like a medical medical term you threw that out there like a medical term like that's a, yeah. like that's how you like i like think you, it's a medical you, you term. categorize them the hey, hunchbacks buddy like, I like that's a, a group of <laughs> but they exist and they used to be good luck or these people used to think that nowadays they get no attention they are you never see them at major league clubhouses but in old days they just have one every day yeah i mean fuck one. you got got quasimodo the penthouse didn't it being a hunchback I don't know, man, but <laughs> no. there's a lot of good mascots. There's a lot of good mascots, man. A lot of ones that didn't make the video that were fucking crazy, too. You know, like, like what was the most what was the most ridiculous mascot story or like like uh, the coming of the mascot's existence that you came across? Well, like, that one shit. that Jared said was wow. It's just this little black kid that they like met and they were like, we need this kid and then just took him to the hotels they would put him in this be- ty cobb would hide him under his bed and another player was like no i'm pitching tomorrow and stole the kid put her under his bed and then ty cobb was like they got in a big fight over it but the they craziest got in a fight over whose bed he was gonna sleep under yeah <laughs> that's the story man i wasn't there but that's the story <laughs> i wasn't there i don't know i was you know, i always always What's- take these stories with a little bit of a grain of salt but this is like yeah, I, yeah i'd say i mean this is sabers and ima- books it's see it sounds legit i don't know how pissed ty cobb was but it started a little small fight he took the kid back <laughs> he took the kid back. but the craziest one is the one where the guy when the video where this guy named charlie faust who was like just uh you know he uh, he was you know, he was mentally handicapped he was out of his fucking mind and he went to a fortune teller and the fortune teller told him that he was supposed to be a major league pitcher and win the World Series. This guy didn't even play baseball. So he went to New York from Kansas and then went to the Giants and was told, talked to the manager and was like, yo, I need to be on the team. I, it's my fortune. And the manager was like, this guy's so fucking funny and like just ridiculous. He's like, yeah, you could try out just to make fun of him. <laughs> <laughs> and you could just try out. So they let him try out. Everyone thought it was so funny that they're like, all right, he's on the team. And they gave him a uniform. This is for rosters. He was literally on the team. He was in the bullpen every game. And they would Love just it. tell him warm up. Like, yeah, dude, you're going in next game. You're going to be in. Oh, dude. God. And they started just, winning. They went on a crazy win streak. The yeah, they were the, like 36 and two or something like that. Was that him? Yeah, they we got 36 and two since they got this guy on the team. And then fuck, but this guy wouldn't shut the fuck up because he was convinced in his brain that he was going to like, he was a major league pitcher. He, he's, he's getting in. They let him play like for oh, two games. He hit and he pitched. He's got like a four ERA. You can look up his baseball reference, Charlie Faust. See, Jared, there's nothing. If you can't do it, then, then it's, it's just all about you having quit on yourself. I'm just not ambitious enough. <laughs> no, no, you're not. This guy, what's his name? Faust? Charlie Faust. Oh, Chucky Faust talked his way into a fucking big league inning to a big league AB. He's like, look, trust me. All right. Shit's written in the stars. You need me. Bro, it was it was just a fucking the funniest bit ever. Both teams were in on it. Like this guy is hilarious. Did they fucking he was supposed to hit and he was like the last batter of the game. The guy in front of him made the last out and the other team was like, no, we're not ending the game. 
They played, <laughs> <laughs> they played 28 outs and they let this guy hit, dude. And he fucking scored. They let him score. <laughs> they drilled that's like, him. That's what they did. They fucking drilled oh, this come guy. Oh, come on. Joey, Jesus Christ. They drilled him with the first pitch. Guy, He went to first. They let him steal. Let him steal third. <laughs> That's like that's like that fucking uh, the the manager this the the basketball manager high school basketball manager like ten years ago, right? They put him in, and the dude ends up draining what like seven threes or whatever. It was, it was just fucking insane. He played for two minutes and was the leading scorer in the game at the end of the fucking game, like just jacking shit up. And they were asking him, he was like, "Oh yeah, I was hot." I like it was I was unstoppable. I, <laughs> I was unstoppable. I, I was super wet. It was not going to I was not going to miss <laughs> the other two. And it's just, just fucking I just love that. It's there oh. is a you know the bet the biggest winning streak in baseball is the A's, right? Was that the Moneyball? Is that still oh, a streak? In, or no, the, 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 Guardians, Guardians, beat no, the, the Guardians, Guardians beat it. Guardians. Well, before yeah, the A's still really before the, the Indians. It was like I forgot what team it was. It was like the 20s. And Cause it was the Cubs. There was this little fat. There was this fat kid. He was like sixteen years old, but he was like four nine, two hundred pounds. Like this fat fucking kid who would just show up to the stadium and watch him practice during the summer. He would just like hang out, and they would recognize him. And then he stopped showing up because school started, and the Cubs started losing. They literally put an ad in the paper and was like, "Gotta get it back." Anyone seen this fat fucking kid? <laughs> we don't know where he is. Wow. And his parents hit him up. It was like, yeah, this is our son. So they're like, all right, get him to the field. They hired him full-time mascot, was in the dugout every single game, and they went on the biggest winning streak ever. It was like 20 games, 19 games, whatever it was. And he became a fucking celebrity, and they hired his ass to be in the Little Rascals movie. No way. He was supposed to be Which, in the Rascals. Oh, he, but he was not. They were like, I don't know anything about the Rascals, but there's this whole lore about it. And there's so the websites talk about this kid, but there's a fat kid in the Rascals, right? Uh, kind of. Well, he's kind of chunky. I think yeah. this guy was supposed to like replace him for like a new movie they were going to make. So he moved to Hollywood uh -huh. to be in this uh -huh. movie, this like 15 year old, but they, they, they never made the movie. They canceled oh, the movie. Wow. So he had to move back and he like worked in like a power plant his whole life or some shit but he was close wow electric Damn. story that's crazy a lot, of, a lot of stuff you just can't you just can't be doing today that mm -hmm. it was free reign back in the day yeah no no yeah K kidnapping kids and stuffing them under your bed pregame is yeah <laughs> <laughs> that is most Kid definitely frowned upon in today's society yeah yeah can't kidnap kids you can't put an ad in the newspaper for fat little kids to, to show yeah. up at the ballpark. <laughs> Is this your little porkster? Get that some bitch back out here. We've yeah. just dropped three in a row. Yeah. You can't just like take some lunatic off the streets and be like, hey, do you want to play for the Giants today? Can't do it. <laughs> no, I mean, wh uh, when was the last time? Yeah, it's like the, the Eagles, right? Vince. What's his name? Papalian or whatever? Yeah, Papali. I mean, quite literally, a fucking fan <laughs> out of the stands is like, you know what? I'm I'm tired of watching this shit. I can go down there and do a better job. And he did. And he did. <laughs>
<laughs> I love that. Good for him. Speaking of playing for the Giants. Mm. Aaron Judge. Oh, Arson. <laughs> Come on, baby, light my fire. That yeah. still that video still bothers me a lot. I don't know why. Well, what which video? The choreographed video. Oh. <laughs> hey Aaron, what are you doing in San Francisco? Oh, just going to see some family. <laughs> just going to see some family and friends. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. What are you doing? Uh, but <clears throat> look, it's not an I told you so thing because the writing was on the wall. Yeah. Once the second they, they missed on judge. Had to. Had to. It's what I said last podcast. You had to. They had to. There's nowhere else he was going to go. This had to happen. They were and the only team left that had ponied up big money for a major free agent whiffed and then didn't pivot to someone else. The Padres offered Judge what? 400 million? Basically. They didn't get him. They offered fucking uh, Turner. Uh, Turner 340. He went to the Phillies. They ended up with Xander Bogarts. Uh, yeah, the, Padres, you had, the Padres basically had all those free agents <clears throat> standing in a line like bridesmaids. Yeah. And just threw a bouquet of cash. Yeah. Like everyone that got embarrassed by like, oh, you don't want our money. Still ended up with somebody. Maybe it wasn't plan A, B, or C, but everyone still ended up with somebody. And the San Francisco Giants would have preferred Aaron Judge, but they just ended up giving the judge money to Correa. Where do you think Carlos Correa signs? Because his, his market was so interesting. If, if we're to believe that the Dodgers really weren't interested because, oh, the fans wouldn't like him, which I don't know how much stock that... I mean, that you is just such something a- like that. That's eventually you, it, you got 13 years to figure it out. Like, I think you would have figured it out. You, you would have grown to love the guy. But I mean, if, that's just bananas. If the Giants had signed Aaron Judge, where does Carlos Correa sign? I think it's a who I think that's where you start to see the whole sleeper team I, I, I think- like who because like when you're playing the the shortstop musical chairs the only teams really left were like the Braves who I still think I don't think they're out out on Dansby but like I don't know I feel like they're not going to pony up for Carlos Correa obviously the Red Sox are not going to pony up for literally anybody uh, it, it would it kind of just defaults back to the Dodgers where you have I guess you don't need him, but you do have somewhat of an opening at shortstop. You obviously have the money to do it. You're the Dodgers. So who knows? I don't know. I, I, I would probably lean towards the Dodgers if based on process of elimination. I, I think what happened is this is a this is an organization in the Giants who knew they they knew if we are already publicly linked to judge to the extent that we know we are linked to judge then we are showing the desire to commit to a franchise type player we haven't had one of those since the arrival of buster posey and the departure of buster posey we just haven't had that guy we have to make that kind of commitment and we've already thrown our hat in the ring for a type of for that type of player and if there's another type of player like there like that still out there 
what would we be doing if we're not looking at how that guy fits in as well? Because we're in a spot, we have to make this move. And that was why I felt so strongly about the Giants being the suitor for Correa after this happened, because there was no, where the Giants are at and what they've dealt with offensively, leadership-wise, they need to replenish that. They need somewhere to start. And that was going to be Aaron Judge or Correa. Judge gone, it's Correa. As far as a landing spot for Correa, if he doesn't sign with San Francisco at this point, I mean, it becomes tough to see how the market develops for him because it's almost like it's a secondary market that would develop because it's a huge financial commitment and the teams that might be in line for him might not be in a spot to give up that extra $100 million if it's not the San Francisco Giants. Because could we be talking about a, a 280 or something with Correa? With a lower team, lower tier team? Like, like there was rumblings that the Chicago Cubs were kicking tires? Yeah, the Cubs, I feel like, are one of those teams where it's like, we, we were in on everyone, we got no one. I mean, they could still end up with Dansby. <clears throat> I don't know how... Uh, no how disrespect much? to Dansby, but I mean, after being in on virtually everyone and, and and ending up with no one, is Dansby enough for Cubs fans to be like, all right, cool, successful offseason? Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know how adding Dansby Swanson hurts you. It doesn't hurt you, but when you're flirting with tier A guys and then you end up with a tier B, C guy, it's like, oh. Like, yeah, I'm happier that you're here, but I'd still well, that, rather be in the tier A. So that's where the financial aspect of this comes in. What's like, what's going to be the gap between the Correa deal and the Dansby deal dollars wise? Uh, 150 million. But still, I mean, that 200 million for fucking Dansby is crazy. Like this market for shortstops is nuts. Like, I get it. The fact that. It, we haven't even really mentioned this aspect yet. And I know that Giants fans, if Giants fans are listening, uh, some of them, a lot of them, from what I've seen, were very uncomfortable with the length of this deal. And mm-hmm. I threw a tweet out there essentially saying, these teams now are giving out these long ass, it's a way to beat the system because it's not, it's not your salary that year that counts against the tax. It's the average annual value of your contract. So teams now are happy to give these these extra years on the back end of a contract to A, make sure that they get all the best years of your career. Like we're casting a wide net here to get all those years. We're We're lowering the average annual value to give more total dollars. And by the time... 13 years from now, to go back to one of Dallas's points from, from last year, the year before, or however long it was, you know, he, he was like, yeah, I, think, I, I don't think they were that far away from a $40 million a year salary. And we we're like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Like, no fucking way. So you think about how quickly we went from that conversation to it actually happening two years, two, three years it was, to now casting out 13 years from now. A $27 million average annual value. Like, I'm not gonna say that $27 million is gonna be the going rate for a for a middle reliever 13 years from now, but I think that you'll look at it as a, a much easier pill to swallow 
if a 41-year-old Carlos Correa or a 41-year-old Xander Bogarts isn't quite the player that you expect or quite the player that deserves to be playing every day on your team. Well, we're going to look at it. We're going to th- think about what um, I just saw a tweet about Chris Davis and the amount of money that he's going to be making in like 20, 35, 36, 37, like the deferred money. He's going to be getting $10 million a year at that point in time. That's sick. That's really awesome. That's 2035. Yeah. So how much of his contract was deferred? Like 40% was well, a lot of back end money. A lot of back-end money and then deferred. So that's that's how they're doing this. And to your point about looking down the road, if all of that money and all that shit is accounted for at that point in time, and it's, I don't want to say pennies, but it's a smaller portion of your team's big pie at that point in time, that's why you did it, is so that you could get what you were after in this early window, knowing that later down the road, the growth of the economy, the growth of the markets are going to find this number look a little different 10 years from now. Yeah. I, I just, if I'm, if I'm a Giants fan, I'm not freaking out about that contract. I'm not. I, like, I know that there has been injuries throughout well, Carlos Correa's career. Jer- you, the reason you got to reason the reason you got to realize that Giants fans, some of them, are freaking out about it, is because they are right now going through the period of paying your older star players and not getting their return, and they understand what that's like. And now you've got a guy who's got some injury history, plays a premium position, and they're going. Fuck, I, I don't know that we want to. Is this how we're going to keep doing this? Like, you're, you know, signing these guys up who have some history. Where do, do we think we're going to be getting a Carlos Correa top tier defender at 39 years old? Is that, is that what we're getting? And that's where the Giants fans, I think, are coming from. I think because, look, damn near every one of the homies back home up north is a Giants fan. And I don't want to say it's split. But there are a lot of fans who are like, look, dude, we need a leader. And if you're still going to be bitter about the 2017 stuff, about like that ship has sailed. We are so far over that, that uh, like we're not going <laughs> to we're not going to want an all star caliber player to lead our team because it like, no, we're over that. And then there's other people who are like, no, I don't want him, blah, 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 blah. I don't want an aging shortstop. Look at Brandon Crawford. Blah. And I'm like, well, look at. Brandon Crawford didn't Brandon Crawford have statistically like offensively one of his best seasons of his fucking career at age Charles Crawford 35 36 or whatever so I don't know I, I I totally understand where Giants fans are coming from when it comes to their apprehension about it because of the injury because of the age but what we're talking about is front offices giving themselves flexibility at the back end of these contracts so that trading these guys is more palatable to other teams and essentially yeah. the money that the giants let's fast well, these forward. guys most of these long-term deals come with full no trade by the way right and so what i was going to say is let's fast forward to the end of this and you have a player who is willing to move because he understands right like let's say the the relationship develops 
and Correa over the years, they win a World Series. It's great, but you can see his better years are behind him. They're making a transition, and there's a team, I don't know, the Reds, who could really use veteran presence because they've got a young guy who's picking it and they need help. And now the Giants eating half of $28 million or maybe three quarters of it 10 years from now doesn't sound as bad because the economy is very different. The market is different. Yeah. I mean, like the, that's why, you know, going back to the point about the market, Dansby Swanson owes Xander Bogarts and Carlos Correa a big thank you, like a huge thank you. Dansby's not a, a Boris guy, correct? No. Okay. So Freddie Freeman he owes Scott guy. Boris. He owes Scott Boris a big thank you because, I mean, would I like Dan- as a Red Sox fan, would I want Dansby Swanson on my team as a shortstop? Absolutely. Do I want to sign him to the deal that he's ultimately going to sign? Probably not. Like the shortstop market has been so outrageous. And it started with Xander Bogarts getting 11 fucking years when everyone was like, yeah, seven, probably get like seven, maybe eight to sweeten the pot. 11 fucking years for uh, a dude that people were talking about. Like up until last year, Bogarts was like at best average defensively he had a really good defensive year but it took him until his age 30 season to have that good defensive year people were talking about him switching positions now you just locked in a shortstop for the next decade plus so the 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 shortstop market right now i could see the cubs uh ponying up 200 million just because they're they're another one of those teams like the giants who had been in on a lot of tier A guys, ended up with none of them, and then we're like, all right, fine. Carlos Correa is our guy. I could see the Cubs because you have flirted with all these names on the market that didn't end up in Chicago, and it's like, all right, fine. We have money to spend. Let's just spend it on him, and boom. Then a deal comes to comes to light. Um, but we'll see because you know you still you could still pivot. Like if you're going to spend two hundred million, would you rather spend two hundred million on Dansby Swanson? Or a guy that's still out there like a Carlos Rodon who's looking for seven years and $200 million. Is that something that you feel more comfortable? Like, you know, it makes an impact right away, but he's not exactly had a a bill of clean health. Carlos Rodon, you're going to go seven years and $200 million for that guy? Well, it's all about where you think you're going to have the most bang for your buck. Like his Dansby Swans, or if we're talking about the Cubs... Is Dansby Swanson thrown into that lineup something that you think moves you further along than adding a Rodon to that rotation? Because what's that rotation look like right now? You got what? Uh, Tyon, who just signed. Yep. Stroman. Uh, Stroman, the professor, Kyle Hendricks. Um, I can't believe and, Hendricks is still there. God bless him. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, fuck, I'm not sure of the, the other couple guys' names. Um, steel maybe, but you add, you add a Rodon in there. Yeah, now you're talking. You've got guys. You've got you. You have a you have a top three. That's those are names. Yeah. Well, I mean, fuck four guys: Stroman, Tyon, Hendricks, and now you throw Rodon in there. That's four. That's four yeah. legitimate chances to win baseball games. That Every is a competitive rotation for sure. In that division, a competitive rotation. Hmm. So that's where I like I think the Cubs 
might be better suited to add the arm as opposed to adding the shortstop, but and that's that's Dansby specifically, but I don't know that the Cubs are either one of those players away. Well, I don't know if I don't know if I agree with that. If if you had a Rodon, like now like laying it out like name by name in that rotation, <clears throat> obviously you still gotta score runs. But I think that if you have a rotation of those four guys, you're automatically looked at as like this team could do something this year. Oh yes. I mean that is a that is a rotation that should absolutely get you excited. Mm-hmm. Absolutely get you excited. I, I, I just when when I say like are they that guy away or this guy away? I, I mean, I, I'm always from talking a world about, series. Um, no, I, I think I'm always talking about the division at least because that's well, that's your surefire way into the postseason. Wild I think you've got to get it. You've got to rewire that that train of thought because the Phillies just got to the fucking World Series as a six seed wild card. So like that. That should tell you all you need to know moving forward that but it's not I'm, about I'm, division. I'm, it's not about being one of the elite. It's you, you just got to get in. Well, that's that's been my that's what I've been. That's the fucking tune I've been playing when it comes to front offices and their approach and free agency and compensation and blah, 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 blah. Why? Because the window is a little bigger. So teams and this is where teams who are not in a position to spend that kind of money have to start evaluating things. You have to zoom out and get a bigger picture for yourself and think about what where you fit into that, not where you fit in to the division. But when I talk about or when I'm thinking about being a perennial postseason contender, my mindset has to be how do I dominate the division? automatically punch my ticket and then from there how do we compete against those teams that are going to be there that's that's how i'm looking at that yeah because the 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 understanding that you can win a world series without winning your division we we get that Mm -hmm. totally like it's been fucking proven we just watched it happen but when you're talking about building a team that can contend in that realm, that's the difference. You don't have to win mm. the division, but are the teams that could be potentially ahead of you, are you competitive with them? Right? It's not about winning the division. It's about being one of those five, six. Yeah. Six. So that's, yeah. that's where the mind is. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Um, I know that the Mets are always. Li- By the way, the I, I want to make sure I get these numbers right, um, because Uncle Stevie don't give a fuck. Does not care. Does not care. They should investigate that guy. The Mets have the highest payroll on record. Um. Jared, the Mets will be spending more money on taxes than six teams will on their entire payroll. So the Mets payroll will likely wind up in the 300 millions, but Steve Cohen's total outlay, factoring in his luxury tax payments, is going to exceed 400 million. We've never seen anything like this in the history of baseball. So, just to 
just to put it in perspective, he is going to be paying a penalty for having the players he has, mm-hmm. and that penalty is going to cost him more money than six organizations are going to be paying their players. Listen to those words. Steve Cohen is going to be paying more money to have the players. He's already paying the players. He's going to be paying more money just to have those players than six teams are going to pay their entire major league roster. And they still won't just make the to playoffs. have the They're players still not on his team. Play- They're not going to make the playoffs. Still not making the playoffs. <laughs> still not making the playoffs. <laughs> the, fun- the funniest thing about this is they made the Steve Cohen tax to like, I guess, prohibits to check him, to check him but For, it's just helping to- him because all these other teams are signing these fucking crazy long-term contracts to avoid it. And he's the only one who's being like, no, nah, fuck it. We'll just pay him now and not have to do that. He's the only guy who, who who's breaking it. It's keeping other teams under it so he can go over it. Because he well, he's just in a fun. position. <laughs> he's in a position to do what he wants to do. This is this is a beautiful example of how every fan base wants their front office, their ownership to attack things because it's coming from a place of passion. And this is the part of like for him, he understands that he's making an investment and he's spending money and he knows that there's a real chance that he might not get the return, but the world series that's return enough. That's what he is after. So he will play the game. He's what do you got? Cubs just made a move. Uh Uh-oh. The Chicago Cubs breaking news. The Chicago Cubs, a one-year deal with Brad Boxberger. Lock him up. 2.8 million for Brad Boxberger. You are a Cub. Uh, I might be an overpay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I just never really his health concerns me. I'll just say that. But bread it up, chicken titties. Yeah, say it, Dallas. <laughs> I'm like, come on, the fucking what? two point. What, what is it? No, two point eight. I can't do that. Is that more that. than what you make in a year? That's not, uh, uh, yeah, a little bit. All right, listen, give him his due. I, I can't. I, I can't. It's not. Those are fucking dino nuggets. Those are not, those are not chicken. Shots yeah, fired. Is what it is. Is what it is. It's fucked up, dude. He doesn't get the chicken titty treatment. Imagine imagine someone just went to your house and just wrote you a check for $2.8 million. How happy you'd be. How happy your family would be. How happy your friends would be. Your old teachers would be like, Oh, Dallas. I always knew my little Dallas could do it. How happy they would be. And you're just shitting all over Brad Boxberger's back. I'm not. No, I just, I can't. It's, uh, you know. I can't believe that you, you called Brad Boxberger a fucking loser for signing with the Cubs. <laughs> that did not, that did not happen. I'm very happy. That's crazy. For, for Mr. Boxberger. Do you know him personally? I do not. 
Jake, can you book Brad Boxberger for the show, please? <laughs> I would like to have him on the next episode to talk about his deal. I want to congratulate him. I want to, I want him to get his flowers because someone has to give them. And it's clearly not going to be Dallas who thinks that uh, $2.8 million is broke people shit. It's, it's a wonderful addition for the Chicago Cubs. Uh-huh. And it's a wonderful addition to the bank account of Brad Boxberger. Doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound like it. So that's unfortunate. That's a a condo in Vail. He's good to go. Yeah. Carlos Correa, $350 million. Is it 13 years? 13 years, $350 million for an average annual value of 27. Is that 27? Yeah. Those those chicken titties are every bit of breaded up. Well, what about the fucking 20 minutes where everyone was convinced he was going to the Mets? That was a crazy world. Well, I mean, that was obviously a Boris negotiating tactic where, I mean, it, there may have been three and a half hours in between that report that the Mets were in on Correa and breaking news, Carlos Correa is going to the San Francisco Giants. Mets fans were hyped, though. Like, yo, we're getting a shortstop. <laughs> That's what the Mets need right now, a shortstop. Yeah. And they didn't get him. No, they didn't. <laughs> but I mean, they're apparently like this is I'm going to give I'm going to give a special shout out to, to Kevin Clancy, KFC, who Dallas hates. Rightfully so. He said some mean things about Dallas, albeit they were all true, but they're still very mean. You didn't need to say them publicly. Uh, when Steve Cohen came in as Mets owner, Kevin was like. We're going to spend all this fucking money. We're going to blow past the luxury tax and like luxury tax is not going to be an object. And I'm sitting there thinking like, all right, like I'm, ha- I'm not going to say anything out loud. Like Kevin's excited. Like he's, he's a miserable Mets fan and Mets fans have lived miserable lives. So I'm just going to let him have this moment in the back of my head knowing like, yeah, of course, like he's going to, he's going to spend a lot. Like he's going to go up against the luxury tax, but like we've like, like Anthony DeComo just tweeted. Uh, we've never seen anything like this where an owner just blows past the luxury tax threshold and then says, oh, tax penalties. I don't give a fuck about tax penalties. If it weren't for tax penalties, Mookie Betts would still be on the Boston Red Sox. So all owners to this point have, I guess, played by the rules. Uh, Once you get taxed at a certain rate, they're like, okay, fine. We'll 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 cut back on the spending. We'll get under the tax. We'll reset. We'll you know these penalties really are an object for us. Then Steve Cohen comes to the Mets. Kevin makes this big proclamation about how he doesn't give a shit what the what the number is. He's happy to cut the check if it results in a championship. And for all intents and purposes, Steve Cohen has backed up every little bit of that. Yep. Every little bit. And, mm-hmm. and, and he didn't get enough credit at the time. I, I don't know why. Probably just because we were just coming off the World Series. The offseason was like we were a half hour into the, into the offseason and boom, five-year deal done. Edwin Diaz. You know how many teams would have loved to have had Edwin Diaz and would have maybe bid on him? Maybe he could have gotten a better deal. I don't know. But the Mets wasted no time. They were like, hey, we have a very important piece to our club that is up at the end of the year. Boom. Done. Wasn't even a question. Came right back to the Mets. Got his money. There was no haggling. There was no, uh, hey, let's try and nickel and dime this guy. They gave him what he was worth. 
He's a Met. Now they can focus on the rest of the offseason. And and haven't they already spent just this offseason alone like $300 million? Fucking half a billion dollars. It's crazy. The New York Mets, I, they, uh, I don't know. what. Like, it, it'll be an interesting case study to see whether or not uh, any of this actually results in a championship. Because, I mean, we've seen, maybe not to this point, we haven't seen uh, a team spend this aggressively. We've seen teams be very aggressive in an offseason and that not result in a championship. We've never seen a team be like, we are going to shell out however much money that it takes to result in a championship. This is, was, this is, the, this is the ownership version of when I say just at some point in time, you have to quit playing the game with a calculator and you have to allow feel and you have to allow baseball mentality, baseball knowledge and IQ to serve its purpose. You have to let that have an impact as well. So you might not be making the decision that the calculator has spit out and that the computer has spit out and that the numbers tell you to make. You're going with something else. And you might say, well, statistically and and mathematically speaking, that's the wrong decision because it says you should be making this decision 51% of the time. And they'll tell you, so technically we're not playing a game. We're playing the numbers and the numbers tell us this is what you should be doing in this scenario. Well, the ownership version of playing the game and not letting the calculator make the decisions is throwing away the calculator altogether and saying, I don't fucking care how much I have to spend. I'm going to go get that guy. I'm going to go get that guy. And I'm going to go get that guy. And I'm going to see if adding all of these high-priced players is the way to go. Can I buy a championship this way? Is this how we can build a championship contender? We're going to find out. People have been saying that you can't do it this way. Well, I don't know how many of those people have been trying to do it this way. I'm going to actually try. I think, that's, I think that's fun. Baseball could use another one of these dudes. Maybe even in the same league. You know how fun that would be? A guy who won't be outbid by Steve Cohen? Yeah, it would be nice. Uh, Joseph, as a, as a diehard Phillies fan, what's your reaction to seeing all this spending going on in, in your division? Hey, man, I love competition. Competition yeah. makes everybody better. This is all, every time the Mets sign a player, it makes my Braves and my Phillies even better because that means mm-hmm. we're going to want it that much more. It's going to raise our games. And everyone knows the Mets are cursed anyway. It doesn't really matter how much they spend. They're cursed. They have bad the luck. The Mets are cursed. I think Steve Cohen has committed too many financial crimes and his karma is so bad. And uh, that's another thing. Maybe he doesn't care about the luxury tax because the guy doesn't pay his taxes. Ooh. Oh. Strong. Strong take from you, Joe. Either, Either way, the Mets are spending a lot of money. And the crazy part is, if that report is to be believed, which I don't, I don't know that I believe it. I don't know that the Mets were in on Carlos Correa. What would that? Eh. 
that would have brought their total like they would have been at what 650 million just this offseason alone something stupid like that yeah like everyone's well, talking I'm, about the really New York seriously Yankees. entertaining that like what, what were you gonna do you're gonna have lindor what Could, uh lindor play outfield <laughs> they don't need lindor <laughs> we got they don't need lindor they don't they're gonna lindor. cut him Yeah, no one knows to hang around for a while. What would you rather have, Carlos Correa or Francisco Lindor? Why not both? Makes sense. That's the Mets' way. Who would you rather have? Who would I rather have personally? Yeah. Correa. Yeah. Why not both? I mean, we saw the Cubs were in on Xander and Dansby. That seems to be the new trend. Texas Rangers go out, they sign Seeger. And Simeon, like, oh, we just got two shortstops. We'll put them up the middle. The Red Sox, last year, signed Trevor Story, shortstop. Put him at second base. You have Xander Bogart, so Trevor Story up the middle. Like, that's, that's just what oh, teams no, are no, doing. No, no. You, you got to understand, that move was knowing that they were not going to be able to retain Xander. No, so that no, was no, 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 no. That was Trevor Story and Xander Bogart were the, move for the future. Uh, middle infield for the Boston Red Sox last year. Well, they let Story's camp know. They're like, hey, a couple years, <laughs> spot's yours because Xander's not coming back, bro. It's all good. You guys he wanted to come so, back, though. Yeah, just come and hang out a second yeah. for a while, and then mm-hmm. shortstop, it'd be, it'd be all yours. Yeah. All yours. Unless Positions. the Red Sox signed Dansby Swanson. Ooh. I yeah, heard. that that would make a ton of sense. Do you think it wouldn't? They need a shortstop, Dallas. No, they, they absolutely need a shortstop, <laughs> but... Now who else needs a shortstop? The, the Braves. Pittsburgh Pirates. Pirates need a shortstop, too. And, and that, the, that would just be like the, 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 the Red Sox intentionally downgrading. Intentionally. On purpose. Wow. Like, nope. We want Jake, to be tweet, it, tweet out that Dallas just called Dancy Swanson a piece of shit. Tweet that out, please. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. You Do you have anyone else you want to just disrespect and burn a bridge with the podcast with today? Can't talk about being competitive and, and wanting to win rings and voluntarily choosing to not be as good as you could be. That's crazy, dude. I know. And the Red Sox are fucking they're they're going to roll that bucket of balls out there and try to win with that approach. So you, so you think you say you think that instead of signing with the Red Sox, that Dansby Swanson is just going to keep shopping himself around. Dansby Swanson would be better off waiting for a 31st team to come in and bid on him than signing with the Red Sox. Wow. Do you think he uses Shopify to shop himself around? Oh, I, I don't know why. I don't know why he wouldn't, Joe. Yeah, I don't think. He I does. think he would. No, you got to forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether mm-hmm. you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that create die-hard fans. Like all the fans in Oakland. Let's go. That's right. Oakland. Clap, They're really clap, loud. Clap, yeah. clap, clap. Yeah. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world score their first sale with Shopify. And you, you can too. 
When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Try out Shopify for free today and start selling anywhere. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash Jared, J-A-R-E-D. Go to shopify.com slash Jared to start selling online today. That is shopify.com slash Jared. Oh, boy. Um, is there anything else that we, that we really, really wanted to hit on? I know the Red Sox introduced Kenley Jansen. That was, the Red Sox have a, uh, a super secret press conference today at four. Everyone's like, oh, it's probably just announcing Yoshida. I'm like, well, why would it be secret? Wouldn't you just say that? Oh, Noah Syndergaard, one-year deal to go to the Dodgers. Yeah, that's right. Noah, door, boom. Yeah, that makes sense. He'll probably be nasty for them. Yeah, Cy Young. He's only 30. Uh, how many starts does he make? 22. 23. I was going to set the over under at 20. Over. I think he makes 23 starts. Joe, you got any, you got any, uh, got any offerings there? Um, Taking the over? Yeah, over. Over. Taking the over. Yeah, why not? No, no, no reason you shouldn't. You're going to shit on him too? <laughs> I didn't shit on anybody. Dude, you shit on Brad Boxberger and Dansby Swanson. That's not true. Yeah, it is, dude. How about the fucking Minnesota Twins? What What are you going to do now? What do you mean? What What are they going to do? Play hard. They were literally they- dripping barbecue sauce on Carlos Correa's toes and sucking it dry just to get him to come back to Minnesota. And he was like, sick, I'm going to San Francisco. Now what are they? Dansby Swanson. Dansby, you are a Minnesota twin? I mean, that's the type of team. I don't know. I feel like everyone in the world is is everyone. Every single person in the world is being like, oh, my God, Dansby's going to make so much money and he doesn't deserve it. Loki, he uh, everyone uh, eats like how you said he deserves to pay Boris. So it's going to take one team to overpay him. Well, and look, that could be the way that Dansby gets the money. Is it is it is an overpay because you we could be getting to a point where the potential suitors that were there obviously are no longer because they've filled those holes. But now does the leverage swing back to a competitor? And that all has to do with where the priority of winning is on Dansby's list. Because if it's now a competitor that was in your market and is now maybe one of the front runners in your market by virtue of everybody else bowing out of the race for you, do they now reevaluate and say, hey, look, uh, yesterday's price, not going to be today's price, meaning we're not giving you any more than we offered initially. We now understand what the market looks like, and we know that you've got choices to make. Do you want to win or do you want your money? And if we can find a sweet spot in between your compensation number and what we provide as far as winning opportunity, well, we're going to find that sweet spot. And if that means shaving a little off the initial offer, fucking hang with them, Dansby. Should have made the move earlier. I think Dansby, I don't know. Over under Dansby Swanson, $200 million. Under. 
You think he gets I'm, less than 200? Mm-hmm. Dallas? Yeah, yeah I'm going to say under. Under? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, think, I think he ends up with something similar to the deal that everyone thought Xander was going to get. Like seven for 200-ish. Well, that's what I mean. Like, is he a... Are you signing him up for 25 mil over the first four years of a deal? Are you signing him up for 25 mil over... How old An is he? Year period, uh, like twenty eight, somewhere around there, right? Or is he older than that? Dansby right. Swanson is twenty eight years old. There you go. But this is he's could be his twenty nine year old season. Yeah. I don't know, man. I could see him. I could see the Dodgers. I don't know. I think we'll see the, the only the, the only thing that's kind of the Dodgers would be pause. a great team to fit that bill that 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 scenario that I just laid out right there. Dodgers, hey, we're gonna win here. You know that we're gonna win here, and you can be a part of that, or you cannot. But either way, we're still going to be winning here. Uh, this is where we kind of cap out at with you. Does this interest you? And this is, remember, you're like, I, I know this is kind of foreign for you all of the sudden, which really, truly does break my heart. But Jared, you can remember what you're it was like to, fan. You're a fucking to, be a, A's fan. to be a franchise where people like may have thought for two seconds about we paid taking Yoshida. a little bit of a haircut. You know what I mean? We paid Yoshida so I, I 100, over $100 million. Why you can't, that, why you can't the, process Like that. the fucking... The Yoshida contract that all Red Sox fans are like, oh, that's cool. But what else? That that would be the largest contract in Oakland A's history. Why are you talking about the A's? Because you think that you're the fucking you're the you're the party police when it comes to contracts now. No, no, no. I'm just bringing up just bringing up what what makes sense. And nothing makes sense. What I see is an unfortunate set of circumstances that you find yourself in now you know we're we're talking about a player I'm fine who could choose to go to the dodgers because he knows they're gonna win there that'll be a good but he fit. might not he might not be getting the money that oh well let's say i don't know he's a minnesota said maybe the red sox could offer him because the red sox know look we're not gonna win but we really need a player like you, you don't know that the red sox aren't gonna win no i mean i don't have him going oh and 162 but <laughs> let let heim cook Oh, no, he's he's cooking all right. Yeah, well, guess what? He's not done. It's still early. I'm, it's not even Christmas. It's not even Christmas I'm, yet. I'm cooking on a Bunsen burner that hasn't been plugged in. The only saving grace for him is there's been reflection from the fucking sun through the window that's heating up the surface of that Bunsen burner. Other than that, I don't know what kind of fucking cooking's going on. They're talking on MLB Network. The Red Sox were uh, red hot on the trademark. So. Yeah, they are. Yeah, how about that? See, they're Shut shifting up. gears like the Red Sox. Want... The Red Sox are the team that drafted no. George Kittle in the third Shut round up. of their fantasy draft to start the tight end trend. They're like, it's not too soon. It's not too soon. He wasn't going to be there when Shut we up. came back around. We had to do it. We had. It's like, whoa, I don't know if you yeah. had to do it. Another Oakland A that the A's never gave money to Chris Bassett going to the Toronto Blue Jays on a three year deal. Uh, qualifying offer guy. Three year deal. What's he? He's like 35. He's sneaky older than I thought. He's 35? Like 30. Yeah, I think so. Mid 30s. 
early to mid thirties. Yeah, but that's Toronto a great Blue Jays. Deal for- they needed they needed some more help in the rotation. They did. Well, and they got it. Is that rotation now not the best in the American League East? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, I I don't think that like Nestor has sustainability as like the herky jerky guy. And I've said with Brios, can't get much he worse. He fucked that team so bad. Oh, he fucked them. If he was if he was Minnesota Twins Brios, that rotation is a nightmare. Oh, and if he was if he was Brios in Minnesota, yeah, the, their whole their whole vibe looks different. That whole yeah, that divi- just everything everything looks different. That's why I said, and I've been telling the folks up north. You gotta, you gotta be excited about this. If you're, if you're trying to keep your glass half full, be excited that you had Bassett coming off a year in which one of your prize bulls had a terrible, terrible season, because that's not who Burrios is. Aberration. Complete and total bounce back next season, 2023. Going to look very different for Burrios. And I was saying this. So? I, I do. I think so. And. Chris Bassett leaving Oakland meant he left Oakland as a frontline starter. On that staff, on that team, he was a frontline starter. Head over to New York, and now he doesn't have that pressure. He's got a guy by the name of Jacob DeGrom, best arm talent in the game. Guy named Max Scherzer. So the responsibility, the workload, etc., not necessarily what it was for Bassett in Oakland. Now you take Bassett and you put him in this rotation in Toronto. And the roles that DeGrom and Scherzer served for Bassett in terms of alleviating some of that pressure and that stress, Bassett could now be providing for Barrios as Barrios tries to bounce back and iron out some kinks and figure out the struggles from last year you supplement that with Chris Bassett. And now you've got a solid rotation. And I've been saying this about the the whole compete gene of this rotation. Alec Manoa, whole lot of fuck you with him out there on the mound. Gossman, yeah. he don't give a fuck. Bassett, I, I said this, Chris Bassett, let's not forget, is the dude who took 112 off the face and then from the hospital called his teammates to apologize that he couldn't finish the game. That's the kind of fucking maniac you're dealing with in Chris Bassett. That's the kind of competitiveness you're dealing with in this rotation. And if Barrios figures his shit out, look out. It's a big F. Look out. No, I mean, it's... It's not going to be as bad as it was last year. It just can't. It's been it's been multiple years though. Like it's it's basically been since he got there. Well, he hasn't been the guy that they thought they were getting when he came over from Minnesota. That's straight. Correct. That is what he's been garbage. Those are are facts. Yeah, you picked him for a Cy Young award. (laughs) He let me down. It's okay. That's yeah. That was embarrassing. Yeah. It's okay. And what do you mean it's been a few years for Barrios? Yeah. Last year was the worst year. Yeah. Other than that, he's been... Not he's good. Been, what do you mean? In Toronto? 
It's only been there one year. What? Yeah. He was there in 21 as well. Yeah, he came a half dressed. Well, right, but deadline. he pitched well. He pitched well in Toronto. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. He pitched well as a Blue Jay. Like it, last okay. year was the year. Like it, it's not like Barrios has been fucking god awful for three years and this is make or break for the kid. That's he not allowed what the he, most hits and most earned runs in the league last year. Well, and you know what? You know who else had a very similar? <laughs> what about our man Lucas Giolito? Yeah, he did. Ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Worst pitcher, and he said it. He was like, I was the fucking worst pitcher in baseball. Well, he's now back in that same camp where he needs to come back from a down year. Both these, both those guys. Correct. So, But Giolito, bounce back. Brios, more than enough opportunity here to bounce back. It's going to be interesting to see what, what the Blue Jays, the hype. Because remember last year, everyone was like, yo, Blue Jays, World Series. That's what everyone picked to win the World Series. Who picked them? Everybody picked them. Did you pick them? I probably no. I picked the Braves. Yeah, that's true. Oh, no, wait, the or fuck? the Astros? I think I picked the Astros. Damn, good pick, dude. Yeah, I picked the Astros, but everyone else picked the Blue Jays. Because there's always that one team that's like, oh, dude, they've made a lot of moves. Like this is the fucking team. Blah blah blah. blah. We're gonna we're gonna win it all. Ooh, it's coming home to Canada, but it's coming home to Canada. <laughs> they underperformed now, but now they're gonna be better from a roster standpoint. But the hype's not there. Right. But I'm just saying, watch out for the Blue Jays. They might be my pick. All right. Watch out for the Blue Jays. Watch out uh, for the podcast next week because we got to go. Uh, it's been real. Thanks for listening. Um, Dallas, you got any final thoughts? Uh, no, no final thoughts. Get into the fucking Christmas spirit, will you? I don't know. I mean, maybe I will. Call me later and sing me a Christmas song. I'll do that. Okay. All I'll right. be around. I got nothing All else. Right. Uh, and oh, uh, full disclosure: I have, I have completed Harry Potter one. <laughs> oh, you're fucking telling me? Uh, it was hilarious because we, I mean, two minutes maybe. We had sat down, me, my wife, my two daughters, and we were watching Harry Potter. And then your fucking. <laughs> your tweet came along i just want to watch harry potter and uh, i was laughing and, and meg even said my wife even said she was like wow i think i might do i do i like jared a little bit now <laughs> damn uh, she's like he's a harry potter I was, he's, he's, yes man he's a fucking huge nerd he's a yeah. huge nerd big nerd so yeah, Harry Potter one that's in uh, that's that's done that's in the books. Harry Potter two, Chamber of Secrets on mm-hmm. deck tonight. Good luck. I mean, I'll I'll let you watch two. So I'm actually watching them for the first time. I've never I've never seen them before. So this is yeah, my first well, I, Harry Potter journey. As, me as well. I've never seen any of them. My wife, huge fan. Huge. Okay. Fan. All right. So we'll be back next week to break down the first call it three Harry Potter films. Done. Joe, have you seen these? Uh, I, think, I think I've seen like the first three or four when I was little. All right. Rewatch the first three. We'll be back next week to discuss Harry Potter one through three. Uh-huh. I'll read the books too. I'm going to read the okay, books. Okay, read the books. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking loser. <laughs> we out.